Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and we're about to take a wild ride into the lesser-known side of rodeo life. While the biggest names in rodeo are out in the arena entertaining us all, these are the stories of the people behind the scenes, supporting them and holding it all together. Unfiltered conversations with the partners, parents, and children of your favorite rodeo athletes on what it takes to navigate relationships, raise families, and pursue careers while the ones they love are out chasing their gold buckle dreams. Whether you're a part of this big rodeo family, a fan of the action, or a lover of Western culture, Companion Pass is where you'll find all of the insights you've been craving. Ashley Webster, welcome to Companion Pass. Thanks, Lindsay. We were just talking about this briefly, but you are married to Cody Webster, who's a bullfighter. And I was saying right before we started that when I was reading his list of accomplishments so that I could rattle them off, it was like I just kept scrolling and scrolling. They don't end. And I was saying to you that he also looks far too young to even be able to have a list of accomplishments a mile long like he does. But just to touch on them briefly, he is a world champion bullfighter. He's a three-time PRCA Bullfighter of the Year. He has been to the NFR, fighting bulls there 10 times, PBR, world finals 10 times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I guess what we're going to need to talk about is what it feels to be married to somebody who is such a badass. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. I don't want him to hear you say that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't even know what, I don't know. I just know Cody. Yes. And I've known Cody since high school. I knew Cody before all of that. I knew Cody when he made the IFR and that was like the thing. When he made the IFR, it was like the coolest thing ever. And then I was there for the NFR and then the next NFR and the next, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to keep doing this. It's been crazy. Uh, I don't know. My husband is so passionate about what he does. He loves it so much. So to see those accomplishments come, because I know the dedication he puts in behind the scenes. So to see those awards come, it's, oh yeah, like, absolutely. Like you earned that, like in the shop doing a million pushups every day and all the things and whatever. So I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. I love what you just said there when you first started in that you just know Cody. And I think that there's a sense of you separate a little bit their like professional personality from the person that you just see day in and day out. Is is that what you experience with him? I think so. Like he was in here. Like I text you because I'm like, I'm gonna get my <laughs> husband out of this house so I can do this. He does this stuff all the time and but it is very different. Like he's out there driving the tractor around feeding cows right now and I'm just it's just different. Like when he goes to work, he goes to work. But when we're at home, he's, it's just, he's the same person, but he's not. So yeah. it's crazy to differentiate the two. Right. You mentioned that you have known him since high school. So I'd love to hear a little bit about like you when you were younger and how you grew up and how you guys met. I grew up just like a country kid. I took barrel racing lessons from, I had the coolest neighbor, Joyce Loomis Kernick was my neighbor. She lived the next section over. And if you don't know about her, like my favorite thing to ask Rodeo Queens is she was the only person to win uh, Miss Rodeo America and win a world title. So wow. it's like a cool. Yeah. And so it's I didn't she know. Was my that neighbor. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> my claim to fame with Rodeo. The coolest thing to me is that she was so cool. So I grew up next to her. But like Rodeo was something that I always thought was cool, like running barrels and stuff like that, but never really got into it. I wanted to play sports and my dad made me make a choice. Like I wasn't going to get to do everything. 
And I really thought I was going to be in the WNBA. I was like, I'm going to play basketball. Clearly, I didn't make that, but (laughs) I I signed autographs like I was going to for a while. (laughs) So I just grew up like in a rural country. We lived in the country, always had animals around and farm kids super involved with FFA and pretty much every organization in high school, athlete, just all the things. I did all the things. If there was something to do, I did it and worked and all the things. I met Cody when we were in high school, but to me, he was just a few years younger than me. And the kid that asked me to pick him up on the way to school when it was raining (laughs) and he didn't have a license. And I'm like, this kid fights bulls. He gave me his business card when we were in high school for his bullfighting. I still have it in my wallet. Do you seriously? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I do. He gave it to me. He's like, yeah, I'm super cool. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can we just talk about how he had his own business cards for bullfighting in high school? He yeah. knew he was going places. Well, he didn't go to high school a lot. <laughs> he was already going to freestyle bullfighting competitions and get in trouble for skipping school. And just we went to a really small Oklahoma schools. We knew each other then, but everyone's, oh, you're high school sweethearts. I'm like, absolutely not. He looked like he was nine years old. He didn't have a driver's license. He had hair that looked like one of those little mushroom heads off of Mario Brothers. I'm like, no, it was just a kid to me, but we were friends. We ran in the same friend group and hung out. He was just Cody. And then years later, I'm like, oh, I guess he's already <laughs> So how did things go like from him being like little brother friend to something more? Um, it took like years. Um, but I mean, I dated other guys and he was just always a friend. Like I introduced him to a guy I was dating because he was just my (laughs) friend. And like we went to watch him um, at an event. And I don't know. It was just Cody never had a girlfriend before me. Cody, Frank always told Cody that he didn't need a girlfriend. He needed to focus on his career. Well, Cody took that diehard because Frank (laughs) said it to him. So Cody was like, absolutely no girlfriends. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. I went to college. I was doing my own thing. I had my own athletics going on in school and work and all the things. And so um, it just was like a slow process to, apparently he liked me for a long time before. And then I just realized it later. I was like, I, I just like hanging out with this guy's fun and he's funny. And he just, he, I didn't have to be anything. I didn't have to worry about like how I grew up or my family or anything like that with him. Nothing mattered. I, I could just be me. We kind of have similar growing up experiences to an extent it was just easy it was easy to be around him and I think it just slowly progressed from there and then he convinced me to produce a bullfight for him and a benefit for him so I did that and then after I did that I guess he thought it was okay to be his girlfriend so he asked me to be his girlfriend a couple months later and then we dated for four years four or five years and then he proposed and when he asked me to be his girlfriend, his mom thought he proposed to me. That's how much we were hanging around each other at that point in time. I was like, no, I'm just going to be his girlfriend. And <laughs> it was pretty entertaining. But and then, yeah, here we are. We got married. But it's like everybody around you saw it before you guys did. I think we, <laughs> we knew what we were doing. But at the same time, it was like that commitment. He was gone a lot with rodeo then, and I was finishing up college and then took a job and was working a couple hours. I had to move away. I moved from one side of the state to the other for a job. It was just a slow process, and I think it worked because I was never around either, so 
I didn't notice when he was gone for six months at a time as much. I know a lot of rodeo girlfriends and wives are like, oh, my husband's gone all the time or my boyfriend's gone. I was gone all the time. So it was whatever. It just worked. We didn't really, I don't know. It was just a slow process. Yeah. There was times before I was this girlfriend that people would ask if I was this girlfriend and it depended on who asked what he would say. That's my girl. Or people, his friends would be like, that's Webster's girl. I'm like, no, I don't have a title. It was a whole fun joke for a while. But I think the best relationships progress naturally out of friendship. Or maybe not even saying you have to know somebody as long as you and Cody clearly did, but are are maybe just rooted in friendship and having that And you saying that one of the things that you love the most about him is that he just understood you and you never had to be any different. And it sounds like you were doing the same thing for him is that he was obviously so focused on his career at the time and that you weren't holding him back. He could still go and have that and still have this friendship that was turning into something else with you. Yeah, absolutely. He was going to be a bullfighter and he was going to be the best one ever. And he that's still what he strives for every day. So I'm like, this guy's passionate. I don't know how this is going to go, but he's driven for it. So it was never I was never going to be the reason why he didn't get to do something that he wanted to do or. It it just was he was just going to do that. And that was OK. Like yeah. I, I supported that however I could. I don't understand. I never have understood that. My boyfriend wants to be a bullfighter. I'm like, I don't get that mentality. I do not understand it. I'm like, you need to find a hobby if that's what you have to say to them. That's just my opinion. You just have to let somebody be who they are. You can't hold that back. I couldn't live with myself if I would have stopped him from living his dream. I couldn't have, I couldn't have carried that. Yeah. Oh, I relate to that so deeply. And I think, too, when you love somebody, you want that for them, not just, all right, fine, like begrudgingly letting them go. But you said like supporting him, like you want that for them because it's it's so fulfilling to see them filling this role that they're so clearly meant to. Yeah, absolutely. Getting to see them win the awards or, or, you know, get those little wins, even not even the big highlighted ones, just the little wins, you know, when they're fighting their head or whatever and you see them finally like break through that stuff those are the moments that make it all yes like this is what we're doing like it's those are the greatest so yeah yeah they really are since you were a part of his life for so long from such a young age and from the moment you met him he was on this bullfighter trajectory I know you didn't want to stop him but did you ever have second thoughts of that's my boyfriend that's my husband and this is like a really dangerous job that he's going after no not really which might make me sound as crazy as he is but no (laughs) I don't know he was just he was good at it from as long as I can remember and of course he got injured and I, I saw those injuries and things like that but it wasn't to me it was just he was going to work and I get it was dangerous, but there's a lot of things that people do every day that are to me more dangerous than what he does. But it, I don't know. I just never really had that reserve. I think that I was more curious as to how it was going to work as a career because I really didn't know how that could be not growing up in it, not really seeing. I know people rodeoed for a living, but I really didn't know like how necessarily exactly that would work. But 
I was like, whatever, I have a job. It'll be okay. (laughs) I didn't know. And it's worked out really good. He's done really well. And people still ask him, like, oh, you rodeo for a living? How does that even work? And they pay me when I get there. So it worked. Yeah. That was more, I was just like, I don't really understand (laughs) how it's, how it is, but we figured it out. How you're going to make a living out of it. I think, and it's so funny asking you that question. Obviously, I see bullfighting as something that's far more dangerous than most of the other rodeo events because they're literally their job is to put themselves in in harm's way in order to protect the the bull riders. I think that we lived a sort of skewed lifestyle because people always used to ask me like, oh, aren't you scared of Luke getting hurt? People outside of our world. And I'm like, no, he's mm. a steer wrestler. It doesn't really, it didn't really register yeah. me. Like, yeah, they get hurt, but that's definitely not something that's a worry to me. Like you said, I worried more about him on all night drives from one rodeo to the next when they're exhausted than when he's out there in the arena. So I think we do have a pretty different perception of danger. We accept that there's just like an inherent level of it that people who are not familiar with it, it it seems a little bit scarier than it is. But I think one of the big components, and I'm sure that this is particularly prevalent for Cody, is that they're just so good at what they do that that mitigates some of the danger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's at least... It seems like when he does get hit, like when he does take a shot, it's going to be pretty bad because he's all in. But the it seems like those are spaced out a yeah. little bit. It's not he, happening all the time. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit better. For sure. <laughs> okay. So I don't know anything really about bullfighting other than what I've watched. Is that something that like, how do you practice for that? Is there practice? Um, I mean, what? There is practice okay. for that. So Cody went to, Cody learned from Frank Newsome, and Frank's like one of the best that's ever, ever done it. And he also, Rex Dunn, Rex Dunn is another of his mentors when he was younger and just one of the greatest guys to strap on cleats. And there's a lot of other guys, but Cody learned from them and he started learning really young. But they would have camps like at Lane Frost Arena. They would do a bullfighting and bull riding school down there. And I got to go down there one time when we were young. Cody would help Frank or go to the school. And they just kind of like how bull riders practice. They get on. They just have bullfighters there to learn too sometimes. And he started out that way. Now we do a school at our house and they practice. We have an arena and we have an excess number of mean cattle now we've we've developed this whole thing in the last couple of years our trajectory has went from what we thought we were going to do to way over here but so now we have camps at our house and in our arena and cody teaches schools a couple times a year at least and him and there's a handful of boys that will come over and just practice and they'll just load cows and just practice just getting around them and making rounds and different things and just breeding cattle is a big part of what they do. So they just get out there and sometimes if they have a competition, they'll be out there every single day. And Cody's been out there fighting cows with them and getting ready for the NFR. And so it's, there's a lot of practice that goes into it really. And especially around here, there's a crazy amount because there's always somebody that needs to tune up or somebody that needs to get past something or somebody that just wants to get around something and Cody's I don't think he's ever told them no they can't load it load something it's pretty entertaining there's not like a ton of people that do this you don't have a million bullfighters out there so I would think 
particularly somebody who is as accomplished as Cody is, like you, he probably feels a responsibility to keep passing on the knowledge he has so that it continues because they're such a necessary part, obviously. But I, I don't, I wouldn't imagine it's a skill that you could learn without a, a person to teach you. But there's a lot of guys that get started without necessarily being taught. But I think at some point you need somebody to at least mentor or coach you, whoever that may be. But somebody that's done it is going to be able to tell you how to get your timing a little bit better, how to work different hangups with different ropes and stuff like that. There's always going to be some, a little bit of help that it's going to be hard to figure out on your own. You could, but it was, <laughs> it's nice to have somebody to teach you that, I think. But yeah, there there are quite a few bullfighters, really, uh, probably more than people really realize. And I mostly know that because a lot of them hang out in my house. <laughs> <laughs> You're running a, a house for wayward bullfighters. They're just all camped out there. Yeah, some <laughs> days that's what it feels like. No. But there's a lot of people that want to learn. And uh, Cody is always able to fill up a school. And I know there's a lot of other good schools. And it seems like there's a new generation that really wants to learn with freestyle bullfighting being what it is now and the money being able to be one there. There's a lot of guys that want to do that as well and get started that way. So it's it's back to gr- it's a growing sport again. So it's good to see that. And that's that is how Cody feels. Somebody gave him a chance and somebody taught him and gave him the opportunity to learn. And so, of course, he wants to give that to someone else because, yes, that's what you should do. That's the only way the sport's going to continue. So right. you've got to be willing to teach that younger generation, especially if you don't you want to watch those guys be good and be the best they can do. So yeah. you got to have a hand in at least helping. You just touched on it there, but maybe you could break down the difference because you just mentioned freestyle bullfighting. So there's kind of two routes <laughs> that a bullfighter can go. There's the freestyle bullfighting, and then there's like the cowboy protection side of bullfighting. And they're very different, right? No. Oh, they're not? not? Really. They are, but they're not. That's one of Cody's biggest pet peeves is when guys say, I don't want to do one or the other. I just want to do one or the other and separate them entirely differently. Okay. Because when it comes to the basics of them, they're really similar. Like your fundamentals are going to be the same. Like you have to be able to get away from a bull in an arena to save a guy. You got to be able to take the bull where you want him to go and to be able to do something with him to protect yourself because no one's coming. You might have a, you you should have a partner to save you, (laughs) but there's been instances where guys have had to fight bulls by themselves. So you have to be able to have that bull's attention, draw it away from the bull rider and then get yourself out of a predicament. And with freestyle bullfighting, it's just you don't have a bull rider laying in the arena or trying to crawl out of the way or whatever. It's just you trying to get that bull to go where you want it to go and then save yourself. But you just want to add a little flair to it so you can get some more points. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really similar when you take it down to the basics of it because there are a lot of rodeos, but there aren't a lot of rodeos to be able to make a living at it. Like, it's hard for guys getting started to get enough rodeos to make a living in a year. So those freestyle competitions offer prize money and you can win good amounts of money. So if you can go win some money over here and then you can go fight this protection match while you build up your name, it kind of gives the guys both avenues to really to really get the tra- trajectory of their career. Cody used to freestyle a lot when he was younger and won a lot of a lot of stuff freestyling but as his career with protection started rolling more and more 
he started doing less and less of the freestyle and more and more of the rodeos and the PBRs and stuff like that. So it was a start for him to get his name out, to get really good at what he was doing and then take that trek that different route. That's so interesting to me, not knowing much about the lifestyle, because I always thought that it's what you said at the beginning, where most guys are choosing one or the other. I realized that some of them cross over, but I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that it was so many of them. I thought that they were separate paths that a person would choose. Some guys do. They do solidly make a different choice, but a lot of them have crossed over. Tug. Dusty Tuckness, he used to freestyle a lot too. Nate Justice, Nathan Harp, all those guys back in the day, that's they freestyled a lot. And now you don't hardly ever see them at a freestyle competition anymore. So it's just how their careers changed over. And you see a lot of the younger guys at the freestyle competitions mostly. There are some older guys that freestyle. That's still what they just love to do. And that's what they just have chosen to do. So it, it just really depends on the person, really. Sure. Since Cody, now you keep talking about getting your name out there. Like his name is definitely out there. We all know Cody's name. So I would assume that he can pretty much pick and choose where he wants to go to, what rodeos he wants to work. He's definitely not like struggling to scrounge up work. So what's a year like for you guys? Like how much does he travel? How much is he gone? How much do you go with him? His career is a little bit differently because he does the PBRs as well. And with them changing their schedule a little bit, he... In his off rodeo season, he's mostly at PBRs because the two kind of bounce around there a little bit. So he travels a lot on the weekends to go to PBRs when he's not at a rodeo. And I don't go a whole lot to those. They're usually like fly in, fly out, expensive flights, expensive cities. Easier for him to just go and crash with Lucas or Nathan or whoever's going that weekend. And they just get in and work for a couple of days and then fly home. He's home all week. With rodeos, like he goes to San Antonio and that's almost a three-week rodeo. I go down there, which we take stock down there too. So that's fun for me. And then, so I'll go there. And then when he leaves for the summer run, I always try to go as much as I can. I head out for the summer with him. So we go to Reno and Cleburne, Texas first and then Reno. And then we hit Cody, Casper, Cheyenne. We added a different rodeo this year. I didn't even think we had a weekend for that. And he went and worked and there was an off weekend. So he found a rodeo that weekend. And then the Cheyenne, Sydney, Sykeson's. So we're gone June until August. And then we bounce home for a day. And then Ellensburg, bounce home, Pendleton, bounce home. And then he's, oh, I got a PBR this weekend. And he's gone the majority of the year. He has a weekend off next weekend. And he was home this weekend. So that was really fun. But then we raised the fighting stock now, too. And so we're sending those to events. Tomorrow, we're going to stock contract at Fort Worth for some freestyle bullfighting stuff. If he's not working, then we're stock contracting or something else. There's not a whole lot of weeks in our life that don't revolve around rodeo in some aspect. Yeah. You saying you talking about how many different things that you have going on. And I know that you have your own professional pursuits. It sounds like what I'm picking up is that you and Cody both just have a very intense work ethic. Yeah, I think we have a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where is there some, is there a point like, or something about how you grew up like that you can trace that back to? Like, where does that come from for you? Yeah, I guess. Like my parents worked. I mean, uh, my dad worked. He grew up working really hard, and I think he just really drove that into me. Um, 
And I was like my dad's only boy until I was 15 and I got a little brother. Um, So I did. I grew up going to work with my dad. And even when I was too little to really help work, I still went with him riding the tractor, or drive the hay truck for him while I hauled hay and it, whatever. I just, I started really young with that and we didn't always have a lot. And whenever I got in high school, I worked a lot so that I could pay for the things that I wanted to do and wanted to have a truck. So I had to get a job and all those things. So I just, and my parents didn't ever have any money just to give me, especially not whenever I was older and trying to go to college. That was just on me at that point. I just, I've just always worked. And so I don't know. And then now we just, we have a lot going on and we have things that we want to continue to do. And we know Cody's career is not going to last forever. So we're trying to build these other things so that whenever he wants to say, I'm done, he can simply say, I'm done and not, oh, I know you want to be done, but we need to pay these bills. So can you go one more weekend? <laughs> right. His job's too dangerous for me to ever say, we need you to go to work for the money. Because if he doesn't want to be in the arena, I don't ever want him to be in the arena. It's yeah. just there's other people's lives on the line. There's his life on the line. I just, it's too dangerous for guys to not want to be there in that position. We're just really goal-driven on what we'll do post his career and um, just working towards what we want to do and having the cattle and stuff we do now. It's all been building phases. I don't know. We're, yeah. we're a little bit crazy with our work ethic. But I think it's so smart for you to have that kind of foresight about this doesn't last forever because no matter what part of rodeo you do, it will end someday. You don't see 75-year-old guys out there <laughs> fighting bulls or wrestling steers yeah. or riding broncs or whatever. And yeah. that was definitely one of the things that like from personal experience, I can say Luke and I did not prepare ourselves for was life after rodeo, not knowing that it's going to end eventually, but preparing your life for what that that change is going to look like and what you're going to do afterwards is something that I think is so smart to do. I think when you live this lifestyle that's all consuming, it's easy to get caught up in it and not look forward to the future and know that it's going to end someday. You want to think that it's going to that it's going to ha- you're going to get to do it forever because you love it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Cody and I say every year we go to the NFR, we're like, we're just going to enjoy this because you never know when it's going to be the last one that you're going to get to go to. And I think for us, as much as it sucks to see your friends retire and their careers in, but we have watched that and seen that with, you know, close friends and family. It's like, oh my gosh, what are you going to do now? Like, and we're like, we don't want it. We don't want that shock when it happens. We're like, okay, we're, we know what we're going to do. But he he really wants to teach schools and when he does. And I think that is going to be what he does and why we're trying to build what we have with the stock and with the school that he does now and just try to continue that on because it does stink for those guys. And it's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to take that when you're not on the road for 200 days a year? Like, yeah. how are you going to handle that? And I don't know. I think we've just, we're overly mentally preparing for those <laughs> days as, as far out as they may be right. 10 or 15 years away or, or next year, you never know. And with it being so dangerous, he got stomped on at Cheyenne in July 
And for the first time ever had to go, we had to go home for a week in the middle of the summer. And he's never had to do that before, but he was hurt. And we were like, that's crazy. And he's actually had to take off more this year than he ever has. He had to be off all in January and for a little health issue there. And so thankfully we do have these other incomes because being a contract personnel, you don't get paid when you're not there. Just like contestants, you don't get paid when you're not there. So for January, there was no income. We did have the bulls or we had my job or whatever. And we just sponsors play a big role in that. Hearing you say there that you never know when it's the last time. Gosh, I swear to you, yesterday, I was thinking that exact thing. The, when we're talking right now, the finals is about to come up. It's right around the corner. And I was just thinking about how I wish that I had known the last time Luke was going to be there was the last time. You're there and you soak up every minute, but I think you don't even know how much you should appreciate it until it's too late. And that's with so many different things in life, not just that, but that is such a lesson to learn. Yeah. Just we had to miss one rodeo this year, Sydney, Iowa. And we missed, he missed some PBR events too. But when we didn't get to go to Sydney, Iowa, that was their hundredth rodeo. And we love that rodeo. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like we don't get to go to Sydney, Iowa. I'm like, and I'm so like, I'm super, because you don't get to see the committee that's there that year. And you don't get to see their celebration that they plan so much for. And it's, I'm like, oh my gosh, what if we never got to go to Sydney again after this? And it's just, it was just like this brain thing. And oh my gosh. And so and like, we think that we're prepared for it and then it happens and we miss it. I'm still like, I'm sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. What is one of one or two of the biggest challenges that you face in this lifestyle? Maybe just the being on sometimes. I think that's a big thing that people don't realize Because we do travel a lot and a lot of people at home are like, oh, yeah, you guys get to go everywhere and you're on vacation and it's all this stuff and even Vegas. And I'm like, I don't think people realize like how mentally tiring it is sometimes as much as we love seeing people and getting to interact with people. There is a certain level of on that you are where you're paying attention to who's around or what you're doing or what you're saying or whatever. You don't want to. Not that you're doing anything or or being malicious anything like that but you just you're always like in a PR mode and so it's like that mental exhaustion that comes with that sometimes is oh rough and it's people think you're on vacation all the time it's no like this is work like yeah. this is work still for me this is still work for Cody yeah he's in the arena but when he's in the arena I'm filming I'm talking to people and his fans and people that watch our YouTube channel that say, hey, smash. And I'm trying to figure out for 10 minutes (laughs) if I actually know the person. And so there's just a lot that comes with that. And I'm not, I mean, I didn't ever expect, I guess, to be where we are with that aspect of it. So that's it. I'm like, why do people know my name? Like, why do people know who I am? I'm like, why does Lindsay Branquino want me to go on her podcast? (laughs) To me, I'm like, those are challenges to me. I could, I thought about saying no to you. And I also thought about backing out on you about four times or seven, or <laughs> 40. There, it's just different. It's, yeah. it's hard to wrap your mind around it sometimes. For me, being married to Luke, I understood that people knew him and he had fans and he would interact with people, which he's so great at doing. And I'm just not. 
But that I never, I always expected them to know who he was. But if anybody knew who I was, I'm like, why would you know who I am? I'm not a player in this game. This is about him. And so when that kind of started coming with it, it was like, oh, I was taken aback. And then, and I don't even mean taken back in a bad way, but it's just, oh my gosh, me? Why are you looking at me? Let's divert all eyes back to Luke. That's where I was comfortable. So it kind of became a little bit uncomfortable for me to have any of the light he was shining reflected back on me. Yeah, it's an odd thing. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's fun. And then for about five minutes, I'm like, okay, that's enough of me. Like, hold on. And even like Cody, you know, I'm, I push him all the time. I'm like, people love your YouTube channel. Like, why are you not doing more YouTube videos? You need to do these YouTube videos. And then we're driving to the truck and he puts the camera on me. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know what to say. He's like, you have to talk. And I'm like, yeah, but you're recording me. And I don't know how I feel about that. On the YouTube videos I'm on, I don't usually watch them. I just go read the comments. I'm just a comment reader. So I'm like, I just want to see what people said about it, but I'm not going to watch your video because I don't want to see it. I put a camera in my face and I am instantly the most awkward person you've ever met in your life. I I like freeze up. I don't even know who I am anymore. It's like that whole, I don't know what to do with my hands thing. That's how I feel. I don't know what to do with my face. I don't even know what is going Mm -hmm. on. I have an out-of-body experience. You speaking about cameras reminds me of last year at the NFR, Bear, our youngest son, got to do a little like sideline reporting. And so they gave him this camera and he is like huge personality, not shy. And they he was so excited to do it because he was going to get to talk to some of the cowboys that were there at the finals and stuff. He was pumped like for days. It's all we talked about. And so – We got there and they have this, it's like TV cameras and they give him the mic and I just see him freeze. And he got so nervous. Like he still wanted to do it, but I kept seeing him try to take these like deep breaths. And I was like, oh my gosh, my heart as a mom just went out to him because obviously my kid, but then too, I'm like, that's exactly how I would feel with a camera in my face. So the first person that he got to talk to that night was Cody and he of course, absolutely loves Cody. Because last year for Halloween, if you remember, he dressed up as Cody. Which is the coolest thing to me because I'm like, your dad is Luke Branquino and you just dressed up as Cody Buster. I love it. Does not care. And then everybody, we went to school that day is Halloween and he, everybody's, oh, you're a bullfighter. And he was like offended. He's, I am not a bullfighter. I am Cody Webster. Like we painted his face like Cody and the whole thing. That is, is who he was. So the first person that walks up for him to interview that night in Vegas was Cody. And I can just see this shock on his face. But I have to tell you that Cody was the most of all the people he talked to that night, of all the cowboys he got to talk to that night. And I'm talking like JB Mooney, Sage Kimsey, and Luke. Cody was the one that like I could see the minute he looked in Bear's face and he could tell he was nervous. And Cody just rubbed his back and he's, you got this. Take a deep breath. And I was so grateful for Cody in that moment. It just touched my heart in such a way that he's, it's all right. And he was the most encouraging and the most talkative and just gave Bear this level of attention and understanding that like, I, it brings tears to my eyes if I'm being honest, because it was so touching to me. It was so sincere. And to see that side of this guy who, when he's out there in the arena, is so tough. And so there's definitely that side of him that, I hope people get to know. And maybe that he shows more of that on his YouTube channel. But just what a guy. Yeah, he's really good with stuff like that. He realizes it really quickly. And I'm like, 
that's awesome. He's like, bear needed the hug or bear needed the hand. And so he's like, I got you. And it's just, it is interesting to see that side of him sometimes because it's not something that you see all the time is when he's with the older guys in the arena, he is tough when he's tough on them. And then this little guy comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. That's cool. For sure. I think we also need to talk about the other part of that interview. He's like, Cody, can I get your wife's phone number? I I loved that so much. I was like, this is the best thing in the whole world. I loved it so much. I was like, you yeah. little, I was like, yeah, you better give it to him, actually, because he's cute. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was just so funny. I think we all died in that moment when he did it because he like took this deep breath and he's like nervous. He's talking to one of his idols, but he's not so nervous that he can't hit on Cody's wife. Yeah, it was a very, it was a very respectable move by Bear. I I was like, that was a solid move right there. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so good. So we've we've talked about it a little bit, but when you think about this life as a whole, what is the most rewarding part of it for you? I think really just, like I said, seeing those wins, seeing those little wins that he gets, the big wins, the little wins, just... He loves what he does so much that just getting to see him do it, even on a daily, just he he comes in, I'll be gone or something and come in and he's, gosh, I had a really good day in the arena. I'm like, oh, what did y'all do? He's, oh, we just bought some of those cows. I'm like, oh, I had a great day. Like, I'm on it. I'm like, like every day is like that for Cody. Like, he's just, he loves it so much. And so getting to see that part of that that's the rewarding part for me or when he does the schools and he's man I think those kids got it and I think they're going to do good and then we get to a competition and he gets to watch those kids and then put it together and he's man that kid was at my school and he's like proud dad moment over there and just you would think it would be the NFR that would be but and those are so amazing to see but the little things that that I get to witness those little wins that not everyone knows about are the greatest to me. Yeah. I think that there's such an appreciation and we talk about this a lot. Like there are so many kind of hard and challenging aspects of this lifestyle that get brought up on these podcasts. And sometimes I I think people must listen and think, then why in the world are you doing it? <laughs> like when everything's so hard and it creates challenges in relationships and finances and just so many things. And I think it's the passion behind it. And I just think all the time how there are so many people out there working nine to five jobs that they hate. They're doing Mm -hmm. it because it's a paycheck and they get up and they dread going to work. But we get to live in a lifestyle and you and I are both supporting our husbands, but it's other family members too that are you're getting to see them do something that they're so passionate about. And it's not just a financial reward. It's not just the paycheck they get at the end of it, but just that they come home feeling fulfilled. Like you said, he walks in from the day and he was just out in your arena at home practicing and they just feel great about it because they're so passionate about it. Like, How lucky are we? That's what we're spending our lives doing and witnessing. Yeah. I I can't imagine being married to someone that kind of half-assed this because you're just missing a lot if that's the way they are about their job. Any job, like not even just this, but I think that you're right. There, There are a lot of challenges in this career field. And there are a lot of doubtful moments sometimes with, are you doing the right thing? Did you do the right thing? Did Cody's, if a guy gets hooked, that's the worst thing in the world for Cody. Those are the moments that if he's 
questioning if he's doing enough, if he's training hard enough, if he's doing what he needs to do and financial or whatever. Like when we started out, Cody didn't have, when he started, he didn't have any money. And same thing with him. People see him now on this, like he's made it and he's all this, but people don't see from where it started and the eating raviolis because that's the only thing he could afford or hanging at a hospitality, making sure he never missed hospitality so he could make sure that he had a meal at a rodeo kind of thing. And make sure he had enough gas to get to the next one. Neither one of us came from families that were going to just financially support us. That's what we wanted to do in life. We had to get it on our own. And like when we first got married, I worked a lot. I worked all through college. I worked consistently. When we got married, it was finally a position where it was like, okay, like my job was not conducive to a marriage at all. Then I was working in the oil field for a drilling company at the time in the field at that. So I was two weeks on, two weeks off. And getting called in consistently on days off and things like that. So Cody's, I really think you need to quit your job. And I'm like, this is my career. I can't do that. I just went and got a master's degree so I could do this <laughs> job and all the things. And then I'm like, yeah, I should probably quit this job. I'm never going to see it. <laughs> but it was, we were years into that. We got married in 2016. So that was just seven years ago. And his career was long before that. Both of us building up to that point there were a ton of challenges. So I don't ever want anyone to look at us now and be like, she gets to go with them everywhere. So I should get to go with my boyfriend that's just starting out. There are challenges to this by all means. And don't think that we didn't have to live through those too. But if you can get through them and you can overcome them and you can not get resentful with them or just pout at them and you can just continue on, there are really good rewards about it all, too. It's just there there are definitely hills and valleys. But I just I have to touch on that sometimes because I feel like sometimes it's like, yeah. oh, well, you just get to do everything and you guys are well off. We haven't always been. And this is just the moment that it's good. I touched on it a little bit in January. Cody got testicular cancer and that just like sucker punched us so hard. That's not something that you ever see coming ever. And, and we didn't tell anyone. We were just like, nope, shut the door, hermit hole, told our a few people and just went complete MI about it. And the good thing about Cody's job is the rodeo people thought he was at PBRs and PBR people thought he was at rodeos. So nobody really missed him or asked him where he was. And we just lived that out for a moment and shut the whole world off. And I'm like, that was just a crazy couple of weeks for us that we had no idea where things were about to go. And... Thankfully, like I said, it was a blessing that it's worked out like it has. And we will continue on with certain things for years to come now because of that. But it was so early that we didn't have to take months or years off of his career at that time. It was it worked out. But I don't know. There are things that people don't show you on social media. And I think yeah. that we just have to really realize that it's not all high highlight reel, but it's not all bad. And sometimes people don't show you their wins. Yeah. That's that's part of it yeah. too. Oh, for sure. You're just bringing up what you guys went through so privately. It's when people tend to, and, and we all do it. It's a fault we all have as humans where we will idealize somebody else's life and only skim over the good parts. And then it's so easy to convince yourself that everything is sunshine and roses where they live. When so often people are fighting battles like you guys were behind the scenes. And I think it just takes like conscientiously 
reminding yourself that we're all struggling and you never know what somebody else is going through. And and there's no way that you can, but to always extend a little bit of grace or have a little bit of perspective that everyone goes through challenges. Absolutely. We, yeah, I feel like we've tried to live that a lot in our lives just because people don't know our stories necessarily. And we touch on it a little bit here and there. And it's not all bad. Our stories are not all just terrible. They're just a little different than what people probably think they, that we came from. Yeah. And so we try to remember that. I, I'm not going to say that we are always the best at that, but I think it's something that you have to try and strive for. Let's think, oh yeah, maybe they are just having a rough moment in life and struggling. For somebody particularly like somebody in Cody's position, it's so easy to think of them as just invincible. And he's really well known. He's popular. He's likable. He's always seen at the biggest events. He's a mainstay. So I think it's really easy, particularly for him to do what I was just talking about. And you idealize his life and think everything must be great without ever thinking about what came before that and how he got to where he was. And that truly, it sounds like both you and Cody fought for everything you have. You earned it. Nothing was given to you. Which really, in the end, you should be so proud of everything that the two of you have built. Yeah, and I and we definitely are. I think that's part of where our work ethic comes from, though. When you worked for what you have, you don't ever want to see you not. You don't. We don't ever want to be without what we want to have. And the we know that the only way yeah. to keep that is we have to keep that because no one's going to come in and do it for us. Mommy and daddy are not going to come in and be like, oh, your mortgage is late. Let me write you a check. That's never going to happen. And that's okay. That's fine. And if you have that, I'm so proud that you do. But when you don't, there's a certain there's a certain level of life that you live on where you're like, if I can't do it, no one's going to help me. It will fail. And it's a little different. Yeah that when there's no one to catch you, when there's no, when there's no safety net, it's a little bit different when you have to think about what you do have to do to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Yeah. Within your life, you're really appreciating everything that the two of you have built because you've come from a place that's so far from where you are now. Absolutely. So I know most of the people in the rodeo world just call you Smash. Nobody even calls you Ashley. In fact, I think that there was probably like a good year where I did not even know what your real name was. So can you please tell me how you got that nickname? Would love to tell you a story about that. But there's really not a good one. (laughs) Please do. But there's, there's not really not a good story. I'm always like, I would love to tell you that. But it's so there was a, I don't know. I played sports. I was a very aggressive competitor. I, <laughs> I live my life on competition. Everything's a competition to me. And if we're going to play a sport, we're going to play. If we're going to play spoons, then just, I don't know what, there will be blood if you try to get my spoon. If you play basketball, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Stop anything. I'm just aggressive in nature when it comes to that. I'm going to win. We're not playing to lose. <laughs> but there was a deputy that used to come and watch me play basketball. He was, he was just at the games, basically. It's not like he was there to watch me. He was just at the games, as the <laughs> sheriff's department does in small towns. And so... He started calling me Smash whenever I was in high school, but nobody really called me that. They always called me Madden. That was whatever. There wasn't really a nickname, but Cody always called me Smash too. And Cody would introduce me as Smash to his friends. Like, 
And when the boys and stuff were, they all just called me Smash and it, it would go away and then somebody else would pick it up or they would, I would run into someone I knew somewhere else and they'd be like, oh, hey, Smash. And somebody would be like, oh, okay. And it just would pick up here and there. Mm-hmm. And then, but Rodeo World, the Rodeo World took it to a next level with the nickname. I didn't even have a name anymore. Who is Ashley? I came to a, the NFR one year and someone was like, yeah, Smash is coming out here, whatever. And she'll be here tomorrow. So I get there and I walk up to this girl. She's hanging out with, and I'm like, hey, I'm Ashley. And she looks at me and she looks at Cody and she's, you said her girlfriend's name was Smash. Who's this chick? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm the girlfriend. That's me. <laughs> like, she was prepared to defend your honor. <laughs> yeah. They were like, who's this chick? And I'm like, no, it's actually, we're the same person, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny too, the people that don't know my real name and I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, it's fun sometimes too. You yeah. don't know my real name. It's your alter ego. It's like your Smash Webster versus the like with Sasha Fierce. Isn't that Beyonce's alter ego? <laughs> yeah, it's people at rodeos though. <laughs> Cody calls me that on his YouTube channel, and it used to just be people that knew me, just close friends. And then we're at a rodeo one in Casper, Wyoming, and someone's like, "Hey, Smash, how are you?" And I'm like. Hey, how are you? And they're like, yeah, I'm doing really good. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, how's your wife? I'm like, I don't know who I'm talking to. Oh, I-, I thought they knew me, though, because they called me Smash. But Cody's YouTube channel had fixed that for me. And now now I'm Smash everywhere. And I'm like trying to figure that out. Oh, that's so funny. It just it feels appropriate. You live in a very man's world with the bullfighting and the bulls and all of that. And hearing you talk about how you and Cody got together and being friends for so long, without knowing any part of that, of your story, when I think about you and Cody, and and I don't know you guys like on a super personal level or anything, but when I think about the two of you together, I always got the impression that you guys were just like buddies, like really good friends. Like that was the heart of your relationship. And that really comes across. And you just seem, and this in like a really positive way, but you just seem like one of the guys. Like you seem very much like a part of the group and everybody just embraces you and accepts you as such when you're clearly like a beautiful woman in the middle of this very like rugged masculine sport. So I definitely have always migrated to the boys to hang out with my whole life. Like I, I've had, I have really good girlfriends. Absolutely. But I grew up with a lot of boys like my we have a huge family lots of boy cousins like wrestling matches my dad and my uncle used to think it was hilarious for me to wrestle some of my cousins because there was several of them that I could very much take down I grew up with the boys and my husband will tell you it's almost to a fault a lot of times because that has made and I'm getting better, but <laughs> I don't, I never needed a man in my life, basically, because dad taught me to do everything a man could do. And I could fight the boys. I could roughhouse with the boys. I could hunt with the boys. I could fish with the boys. Whatever the boys were doing, I could do it. And so growing up, when you get in high school and then college, like still, like I had, Cody hates this too. I had four guy roommates at one point. Like my roommate (laughs) moved out on me in the middle of a semester and I had to find a place to live with the boys. It was no big deal. They gave me my own room. They tormented me (laughs) very much. So I hope they listen to this. They threw my (laughs) shoes and trees and all sorts of stuff. But like, I just, it was fine. Like I get a lot of girls in that position. It would be like, oh, I'm like, 
yeah, no, it's just the boys, whatever. And then with the bullfighters being around, it was Cody. All They had the compound. There's Cody and Chuck and Daryl Teeson and all the boys all the time. And if you was going to hang out, you better be cool with hanging out with the boys because that's what was going on. It was the boys. Even when Cody and I were, it was just, there's always the boys. He, there was like compound number one, the OG compound. And there was another compound where there was more boys living there. And then there would just be like people passing through. So there'd be like seven or eight guys around and all the thing, all the festivities and stuff that went on, the dirt bike racing and the just pure chaos of whatever they were getting into. It, yeah, I just, I don't know. That's just where I jived better. I was like, yeah, let's go race mini bikes in the pasture over getting our nails done or something. I don't know. <laughs> that worked better for me to do that. And then even my career path, like I went into the oil and gas industry right out of college, like male-dominated, filled, 22-year-old girl just with a clipboard and walking around and safety lady, everyone hated me and <laughs> it was fun. But I was very much like male-dominated and then went to the drilling side of things and there was no women in the field at that point. Like I was it. Yeah. The only women that came through were the sales ladies for a while. And so that was really interesting. But my whole life has just been with the boys. <laughs> Yeah, it makes perfect sense <laughs> that you've ended up where you are. It's an environment that's super comfortable for you. Yeah. And Cody is like my best friend. Like if you say don't tell anyone, that's cool. I'm not going to go tell my best girlfriend. I'm going to go tell my husband because he's my best friend, but he's going to know. And I mean, we just, we can hang out. We can go do whatever. And it doesn't have to be a, a thing. Of course, I like the romantic thing sometimes. I'm like, do something nice for me do the dishes or actually do the laundry. I don't even care about the dishes, do the laundry. But but we can just go out and ride around and, and look at the bulls or whatever. And he is, yeah, absolutely my best friend and has been. It's, it did start so much there and it's continued on. And that's always been important to me that he is my friend yeah. above everything else. It makes life so much easier. Yeah, It makes conflict resolution easier when your husband's your friend too. To an extent. Yeah. Oh, I think you're totally right. When there was a point when like I started looking at Luke more as my friend as opposed to just like husband, I think it takes a little bit of the animosity out because you can put yourself like if this was my girlfriend and she came to me with a problem, like I wouldn't take it personally. Like you do sometimes when you hear your spouse, they say something and you're immediately like, why? What did I? You put your defenses up. But if this is my girlfriend and she was coming to me and, and had this exact same problem, like that would not be my reaction to her. And so if I Mm -hmm. approach him in that way and just like being his friend, yeah, let's talk about it. Tell me about what you're feeling and take my own personal feelings out of it where I think you have that distance a little bit with a friend. It makes, like you said, conflict resolution. It totally changed that for me. Absolutely. If your girlfriend does something to you even, it's, oh, she's just having a bad day. Oh, I'm just going to let that go. She's just having a moment. But your husband can do the same thing. And you're like, excuse me, husband. (laughs) So whatever you do, just like when you are friends, you're like, ah, he's having a bad day. Let it go. Yes. Well, at the end of every episode, I always ask people what their favorite rodeo moment or memory was. Oh, okay. Ashley Rumford tried to prepare me for this. She told me what hers was. (laughs) And I told her that was not my favorite memory because her kids were screaming at me. Being stuck in an elevator. Yes. So if you haven't if if you haven't listened to Ashley Rumford's podcast, you should go back and listen to it because she has a very funny favorite rodeo moment. 
where they all got stuck in an elevator in San Antonio. And she did give you props for being the calm one to calm the child and make sure she was okay when Ashley was beside herself hysterically laughing as her child is (laughs) having a meltdown. (laughs) I've never had an eight-year-old scream at me like that before in my life. So I didn't really know what else to do but address the situation and try to remind her she had ice cream in the bag and she should eat that. But she was eating the ice cream, still screaming at me. So I was like, and Ashley's about to pee herself. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. We're not going to die, though. (laughs) Her kids were convinced we were going to die. And I was convinced they were going to kill me in that elevator because they were really mad. If you're leaving me to be the voice of reason, sometimes we need to be about (laughs) when you know things are serious. It is serious. Gosh, I don't know. It's hard to choose just one one rodeo memory, but there's so many concerts and just we're gosh, we we have so much fun at all the rodeos we go to. Casper one year, Cody Sosby was there and he's got little mini Shetlands or Shetland ponies that he does his acts with. So one night, all of those were tied up by the fence, and we all decided that it would be really fun to take Cody Sosby's Shetland ponies joyriding. And so we, of course, I was a little late to the idea and didn't realize what was going on because sometimes I'm oblivious to things. And so I was like, oh, we're taking horses. So we all grab these Shetland ponies and we take off and they just have halters. And he uses them like on his chariot thing. So it's like they're broke to ride (laughs) or to like rain or anything like that. They have halters and lead ropes on. So I get on this little one and I tie the lead rope up and I get on and take off. And this sucker decides all the other horses are gone. So takes off full-fledged just running as fast as it can and hits a corner and throws me off. Just in the corner, just lose it. Right in front of, I think it was a bunch of team ropers. I don't know. I didn't get up and look to see who it was. But if you saw me skid across the gravel at Casper a few years ago, that was me. And I'm like trying to get my horse back and not be embarrassed and run away. But we all rode those horses around for a couple hours and it was fun. It was a super good time. Just a random, random memory. I don't know. I think here's my two cents there. I think from now on when people ask you why your nickname is Smash, you just tell them that story. Just tell them that story that originated from. That's it. That's, yeah, one of many probably reasons why if there was, yeah, there's a lot of those. But it was a good time. So we really enjoy what we do. There's always something to get into with rodeo. So that's true. The rodeo grounds late at night are a dangerous place to be for festivities. (laughs) Yes, 100%. I will vouch for that. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for overcoming your fears and stepping out of your comfort zone and not canceling on me. I appreciate that so much because I've loved getting to know you better. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate you having me on. Well, that's another great episode under our belts, and I'd love to hear what you thought. Share your favorite parts, something that really hit home or inspired you, or just share with others so they can know where to find us. It's the best way for you to cheer on these amazing people whose stories we've heard. So head on over to Instagram, be sure to tag Companion Pass, myself, and today's guests with your greatest takeaway from this episode. Thanks for being a part of our rodeo family, and we'll catch you at the next one. Mm-hmm.